Due to the graphic nature of this cold case, listening is advised. This episode includes description of assault, murder, and gore, and drugs. We advise extreme caution for children under 13. Thank you. Hey friends, thanks for joining. Let's tell their story. I'll be your host, Casey. I'm just going to jump right into this today. In the United States alone, over the past 40 years, 286,285 cases have gone unsolved. This podcast is to tell you the stories about the cases that were never solved. I hope I can bring light on these cold cases that just sit and collect dust. I go through every case with as much research as I possibly can and give you the knowledge that I was able to find. If you have any cases I would, should look into, please email me at letstelltheirstory at gmail.com. So let's tell the story. I do want to begin with a few trigger warnings. This case does involve domestic abuse and drug use. Born November of 1962, the youngest of three girls, Lori Lee Malloy, was an intelligent, vibrant, smiley, carefree little girl. She got good grades, was captain of her ju- her junior cheerleading squad, and when she was 11 years old, she was asked what she was thankful for instead of the typical 11-year-old answers of mom, dad, siblings. Her answer was that she was thankful to live in a country that the government didn't control what she did, but as she got into high school, her wilder side began to come out when she began hanging out with a different crowd crowd of kids. And since this is about the same time her parents gotten divorced and her dad had moved to New Hampshire and her mother worked with the government and her home at home, her life was fairly strict and her rebellious side started to show. As her high school career came to a close, there where she didn't she didn't even graduate, though she had decent enough grades too, she decided that she was going to be with her boyfriend at the time who was working in Alaska. So Lori hitchhiked from Chicago. So Lori hitchhiked from Rhode Island to Chicago. When Lori got to Chicago, she realized that she wouldn't be able to hitchhike the whole way to Alaska as it was the little country, you know, Canada that she didn't have a passport for. So she got a hold of her then boyfriend and he got Lori the rest of the way to Alaska by plane. While Lori was in Alaska, she needed something to do, so she learned the ropes of sled dogging from some of her then boyfriend's friends. She was so good at it that she earned the nickname Lori the Sled Dog Malloy. At some point, Lori and this then boyfriend had broken up and Lori found her way back to Rhode Island. Lori met a man named Harry Mariano, known to his friends as Johnny or Scary Harry. And on Valentine's Day of 1988, Lori and Harry became, became husband and wife. This is no fairy tale romance by no means. By early October of that year, Lori filed a complaint that Harry had beaten her. Harry was arrested with assault charges. However, Harry is also arrested in connection to fleeing the scene of an accident that resulted in injury or maybe even death. The details on the accident aren't really clear. I believe Harry ends up in prison jail for two years since he sent Lori a letter threatening her from prison on the 11th of October 1988 and roughly two years later at the end of January of 1990 
Harry violates the protective order and pleads not guilty. A bail is set, and again, he's told no contact with Lori. In April of that year, Lori filed for divorce from Harry under grounds of irreconcilable differences. It would be three years until Lori's divorce from Harry would be finalized. In the meantime, Lori didn't let her pending divorce keep her from living her life. Lori met a man named Tommy Kelly, September of 1991. Lori and Tommy welcomed a baby girl that they named Lauren. Lori was very organized to the point that she would write little details in her planner, such as medications that she was taking, when to take them, and how the medication would make her feel. Sometime between Lauren's birth and July of 1992, Lori left Tommy. In the month of July, Lori had made a note in her planner that said, Tommy's threats over Lauren will soon settle. There must have been quite a custody ballot battle over Lauren between the two of them because on March 6, 1993, Tommy filed for custody of Lauren stating that Lauren was in danger with Lori's mom, Alice, and her ex-husband, Harry. Now we have a little backstory on Lori. Here comes the heartbreak of the story. On March 7th, 1993, Lori's current boyfriend, Henry, I know, I know, there's a lot of people to try and remember and where they fall in Lori's life. Well, Henry had been trying to get a hold of Lori for the past week since they had gotten into an argument and Henry had started to get extremely worried. So Henry went to the police department to have a welfare check done on Lori. When the officer and Henry get to Lori's apartment building, they talk to her landlord who whom says no problem, they'd get a key for Lori's apartment, only there was no need for a key. Since the officer noticed the door was ajar, the officer and Henry enter into the apartment, only to be greeted, greeted with a horrific scene. On the kitchen table sat two drinking glasses and leftover salad, shreds of dark hair scattered about a full refrigerator that had been unplugged, and the noise of running water that originated from the bathroom sink where Lori's lifeless, bruised, naked body lay with slices of bread around her. Lori lay there entangled in what seemed to be her dark hair wrapped between her toes and intertwined between her fingers. The first responding officer determined that Lori had expired and contacted his chief to let him know they had a homicide on their hands. When homicide detectives showed, they had taken Henry outside and began collecting evidence, which included hair samples from a shoe that was on, on an entrance table, a bath towel that had mucus on it, the sheets and comforter from the master bed, and the drinking glasses, more hairs, and several infant clothing. I want to pause for a quick second here and say that there is conflicting and unknown facts about Lauren's whereabouts at this particular time. We can unpause now. A sexual assault kit was to be completed on Lori as well. All in all, there were 14 piece, different pieces of evidence that were brought in for examination. On March 8, 1993, an autopsy of Lori was to be conducted. It wouldn't be until August 11, 1993 before the final cause of death would be ruled for Lori. The medical examiner on Lori's case ruled her death natural, hypertrophic cardiomyopathy or hardening of the heart in layman's terms. However, the ME 
on the case did not state that there was any damage to her heart nor any other organs in her body. Not notes, no notes of the condition of Lori's scalp and that her toxicology report had come back clean. Lori did have a history of drug abuse in the past and that was what her boyfriend and Henry and her had gotten into the fight over that she wouldn't talk to him but the autopsy report did note that Lori was a known cocaine user. Quick note to add here that while reports of Lori's autopsy were being awaited, Lori's divorce from Harry was finalized on March 31st, 1993. Then on December 28, 1993, East Providence Police Department closed Lori's case as no sign of foul play found. Thankfully and sadfully, this wouldn't be the end of Lori's fight for justice. On December 23, 1996, Lori's sister Allison was awarded custody of Lauren. Adoption records were sealed and Lauren's new birth certificate was updated. Casual little update to throw in here. Remember Harry, the ex-husband? Well, in June of 2002, he was arrested once again for assault by the Pawtucket Police Department. A little over a year later, in early July of 03, Harry was found dead at 43 years old on a park bench in Pawtucket, where the police dismiss any signs of foul play. Even if there were signs, I'm sure the PD were just glad to be done with the SOB. So with Lori's case being closed, Scary Harry isn't so scary anymore. Lori is basically forgotten about except by her family and one little girl that has all grown up and wants answers to questions she didn't even know she had until August 2020. When a friend of Lori's reaches out to Lauren via Facebook, Lauren at first wasn't sure what to make of this person reaching out to her until the person sent Lauren a photo of her, Lauren's mom, and Lauren as a baby. Lauren did realize this person was for real, so Lauren and her best friend venture back down to the apartment that her mom was killed at. Lauren begins talking to the landlord of the building, who had actually owned it at the, t- the time of Lori's passing. However, the landlord had contacted her brother and wife, who were there in no time since they were the ones in charge of the building at the, t- at the time of Lori's death. They had explained what had happened to the day Lori was discovered to Lauren. Lauren was only told that her mom died when she was young, but really didn't have much of the details that I had explained earlier. So in August of 2020, we're taking a huge leap into time here. Lauren begins to look further into her mother's death, trying to get the East Providence Police Department, the Rhode Island Medical's, uh, Medical Examiner's Office, or the Attorney General's Office to reopen her mom's case, or just to review it. Lauren receives a copy of her mom's autopsy and challenges the findings with the Rhode Island Department of Health in February 2021. The current medical examiner flat out told Lauren that he refuted the 1993 autopsy findings and basically tells Lauren that Lori needs to be exhumed to clarify that no obvious natural or unnatural reasonings for Lori to have died. 
In May of 2021, Lauren finally obtained the original homicide reports from the EPPD. In July of 2021, Lauren finds out that the original evidence that was gathered is still available for testing. So Lauren moves on, trying to get the evidence tested. The Rhode Island Department of Health informed Lori's family that the specimens are in fact histological and original from 1993. By this point, Lauren has been in contact with the Attorney General's office and has been assigned to the Assistant Attorney General's. So now that the original evidence had been found, it could be retested and the Assistant Attorney General and the Rhode Island Department of Health told Lauren to expect to see forward movement in the case by fall. And of course, this doesn't happen The Assistant Attorney General informs Lauren that there is not sufficient enough reason to reopen Lori's case and that she would have to get in contact with the East Providence Police Department to clarify suspicious circumstances. I'm sure Lauren is fed up and feeling defeated by now, like there's just never going to be any kind of justice for her mom. In November of 2021, as was the first time that Lori's case was ever brought to the public by a reporter from the ABC6 Providence News. However, this really didn't go anywhere, but it did finally get Lori's case public. Lauren then hears of an expert out of New York which that she reaches out to with the autopsy findings and what he comes back with. I'm just going to quote uncovered.com. Quote, March 13, 2022, an independent forensic pathologist specialist based in New York, New York, was referred to Lori's family and asked to review the case. Upon review, he shared the following. One, the cause and manner of death are unknown and or unclear after almost 30 years. Two, the list cause of death, hypothyroid trophic cardiomyopathy was not supported by descriptions in the autopsy report. 3. The underlying reason of Lori's congested lungs, 1,519 grams. Hello, it's the editor again. I'm just going to tell you this one information that, in case you forgot to tell you, is the lung average range is, between the two, is 299 grams for the left lung and... 340 grams on the right lung, so the total average weight of a female's lung is about 100 grams, 1,000 grams. So that is important to know. At time of death, did not have a reasonable explanation as of now for the possible the availability of any residual tissues slides should be reviewed to establish a cause of death from the perspective of forensic pathology. 5. The circumstance of Lori's death should be investigated and or reinvestigated by police. As of March 17, 2022, the Attorney General's office need to give Rhode Island Police orders from their agency to take over the investigation. Lauren has began a petition to get Lori's case reopened called Justice for Sled Dog. To get Lori's case reopened, a link to the petition is available through the undercover.com website 
just put in Lori Malloy and scroll down to what's what's left to be uncovered and click on click the link it will take you directly to the petition and that is the story of Lori sled dog Malloy Lauren if you ever hear this I really hope that I did your mother's story justice if anyone has information they should email unsolvedri.com or call the East Providence Police at 401-435-7600. My sources are uncovered.com and Catch My Killer podcast by Mark Hoover. Podcast number is podcast episode 138. Lori Lee Malloy is definitely worth a listen. Uh, thank you and have a great day.